This podcast is a production of the Community Covenant Church in Eagle River, Alaska, a place where real people meet a real God to live in a real world. For more information, visit our website at www.communitycovenant.net. The reading this morning is from Acts chapter 21, starting with verse 3, 3 through 6, and 10 through 14. After sighting Cyprus and passing to the south of it, we sailed on to Syria. We landed at Tyra, where our ship was to unload its cargo. We sought out the disciples there and prayed with them seven days. Through the Spirit, they urged Paul not to go to Jerusalem. When it was time to leave, we left and continued on our way. All of them, including wives and children, accompanied us out of the city, and there on the beach we knelt to pray. After saying goodbye to each other, we went aboard the ship, and they returned home. After we had been there a number of days, a prophet named Agabus came down from Judea. Coming over to us, he took Paul's belt, tied his own hands and feet with it, and said, The Holy Spirit says, In this way the Jewish leaders in Jerusalem will bind the owner of this belt and will hand him over to the Gentiles. When we heard this, we and the people there pleaded with Paul not to go up to Jerusalem. Then Paul answered, Why are you weeping and breaking my heart? I am ready not only to be bound, but also to die in Jerusalem for the name of the Lord Jesus. When he would not be dissuaded, we gave up and said, The Lord's will be done. Good morning. My name is Eric, and I am the uh, pastor of Mission and Discipleship here at Community Covenant Church. And um, Pastor Todd and Lori are on a tropical vacation um, this week. Yes, clap. Yeah. They are in uh, the island of Kona. And, um, and uh, he jokingly said to me um, before he left that... Uh, they're exploring a second location for Community Covenant Church. Um, there, so this is actually an official scouting trip um, for um, what is what we figured we would call Coco Cove. So, um, but I thought it would be um, it would be nice for us to join this morning in prayer and just a blessing for their time. Um, so, if you would join me, please. Father, we thank you um, for Pastor Todd and, and Lori and they're, they're answering the call to come to, um, to be with us, Lord, to lead us and to um, help us to grow into who it is that you've called us to be as a church. And Father, during the next days, as they enter into a place of rest and relaxation, pray, Father, that your spirit would minister to them that you would give them a deep peace, that they would be able to be engulfed in the beauty that you have created, and that they would find rest in that place. Father, I also pray your protection over them, and we pray, Father, that they would come back richly um, blessed and rested from their time. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. So... Speaking of Hawaii, um, we are in the uh, Spirit of Adventure uh, series here, and this morning 
we're talking about um, risk. So I have a, an 18-year-old daughter who just graduated from high school. And when we went on our family vacation this uh, last February, my husband and I said, all right, we will let you pick one family activity. One thing that you want to do, we'll all do it. No arguments, no questions. We'll just, we'll, we'll say yes to it. So being an 18-year-old child, she says, I want a zip line. Hmm. So those of you who have, um, have heard me, um, before, I, I believe I did a sermon a couple of years ago, about the same time, that talked about the fact that I'm not actually afraid of heights. I'm just afraid of falling, which I feel like is a really different thing, okay? Um, and, and so when she said that, immediately the response that both my husband and I had was like, okay. And she said, I want to find the biggest zip lining, the longest, the most zip lining, you know, park that we can find. So of course, honoring my child and the word I gave, I start looking on the internet and I find this zip lining place and it's uh, something crazy like 11 continuous zip lines. All right. So you don't touch the ground for like something like two miles. It's, it was crazy. On top of that, you also get a, a swing, right? Swing. And you get to climb, uh, up a rock wall. And then you also get a hundred foot repelling opportunity, right? So I'm like, okay, all right, fine. Heath, I see you laughing. <laughs> Um, and so I, you know, I, I'm like, okay, honey, this is what she wants to do. And, and he said, oh, all right, all right, all right. So we go, they gear us up, right? So I don't know how many of you guys have ever been ziplining before. Okay. So you know what I'm talking about, right? The helmet, the harness, you know, the clips that you're like, what do I need all these clips for? And you get there and you realize why you need all these clips. So we get onto the zip line and we climb up to the first post and, um, we zip lined for probably the next 35 minutes. And let me tell you, my husband didn't speak a word the entire time. In fact, when the, you know, you had the guides that were, you know, taking us through and clipping us in and doing all of that stuff, as they would ask him, are you having a good time? He would just go. <laughs> but I was really proud of him because there was no screaming, Okay. Now, I, of course, was trying to act a little bit cooler, right? You know, because I'm trying to enjoy myself. This was the family activity my child wanted to do. So, you know, I'm kind of hanging out, and I'm like, okay, trying to talk without, you know, passing out. And we did fine. I did great. And, you know, the, the guys are like, hey, you you guys are doing awesome. This is great. You made it all the way through the zip line. I'm like, okay, we're done. And they're like, now you get to do the swing. 
And I had to go to the bathroom, so I went. I come back, and they're like, hey, since you're the one that seems to have the most problem with heights, we're going to let you go first. I foolishly said, oh, okay. So they walk us into this area that's cleared, all right? And it's probably, I would guess, about the size from one end of the, the sanctuary to the other, okay? Now, mind you, instead of a wall over there, you've got like 250-foot pine trees, Okay, so these Norfolk pines, I don't know if you guys are familiar with these, but these are huge trees. And so they keep talking to me through this, right? And I'm like, oh, okay, all right. And they're like, okay, come on. So we're going to hook you up and, and you just hang on here and, um, and we're going to lift you up. And I'm like, oh, okay. And so they get me up at the top of a nine foot ladder. And they climb me up, they hook me up to all of this stuff. And the, um, the, the guide hands me a yellow cord, or a red cord. And she says, whatever you do, don't let go of this until I tell you to. <laughs> okay. So she says, all right, now step off from the, from the ladder. So I step off and, and it catches me, right, by the, by the harness. And the other guide and the rest of my family proceed f- about 15 feet away to pull this rope, right? Which, of course, then proceeds to lift me up two stories off the ground, all right? And initially I'm thinking, oh, okay. And I'm hanging on to this, right? And she yells to me, okay, when you get to the top, you need to let go of the yellow rope or the red rope. And then you're going to swing. And I thought, wait a minute, what? (laughs) And so as I'm going up, I'm hanging on to one, the cable that is the swing and I have the red rope in my hand. And the further and further I get from the ground, the more I'm thinking to myself, the only thing that is keeping me from falling is this core, is this wire and this red rope. What if I change my mind? No way out. Okay? So I get to the top, and I am two feet up in the air, okay? And I am supposed to trust that if I let go, that I'm going to swing and not hit the giant Norfolk pines, right? And I'm going to swing back. And this is fun, right? Okay, so I'm up there and she yells, let go. And I thought, if I let go, I'm going to fall. And all I can trust is this one, that this wire is going to catch me. And not just that, but that the wire is actually sized just right so that as I go careening at some insane, you know, speed towards these trees, I'm not going to end up like George of the Jungle splat against the trees, right? And I'm hanging on to this cord and I thought... I have to let go. 
And not only did I have to let go, I had to let go of that red cord and grab the other cord quickly. Because the other thing that she said was, if you don't, you're moving so fast that if you don't grab it quickly, what happens is that your arm gets pulled back and you end up swinging like this. She said, that will really hurt. (laughs) I hate this kind of stuff. (laughs) But I did it. And I had to trust that these people knew what they were doing. That their record of safety, and believe me, I looked it up, (laughs) was proven. And I think to myself, I don't know that I am any different than most people. In that, when it comes to taking risks, I like to know what the odds are. I want to know... What are the odds that I'm going to be injured? What are the odds that there's going to be some sort of pain or financial stress or um, relational strife if I take this risk? I think in particular our culture, the American culture is extremely risk averse. And I think the older I get, the less and less I'm willing to risk. Because it's one thing to fall down when you're 18 or 25. But as you get older, it gets harder. And the price becomes, seems to become heavier and heavier. And we become more and more concerned about what is this going to cost me? So the question we often ask is, is it worth the risk? In this morning's passage, we come across a situation where Paul, the Apostle Paul, is kind of coming back around to Jerusalem. So, Paul started out in Jerusalem. Paul started out in Jerusalem as Saul. A Pharisee. A guy who was really kind of at the top of his game. And on his way out of town to persecute Christians, he encountered the Lord Jesus. And who he was, was completely transformed. And so here we are now, back in, um, as he's heading back, in chapter 21. And um, one of the things I wanted to point out here is that in this this particular um, chapter, we really hear clearly the voice of Luke who is the author of Acts. So when he's, when we hear the word we, it's actually Luke who's talking here. He's talking about traveling with Paul. And so I want to point out something here, a couple things. So I'm going to actually read verses three to six. They are traveling back to Jerusalem. 
It says, after sighting Cyprus and passing to the south of it, we sailed on to Syria. We landed at Tyre where our ship was unloaded, uh, unloaded its cargo. We sought out the disciples there and stayed with them seven days. Through the Spirit, they urged Paul not to go to Jerusalem. So these people know that Paul's going back to a very bad situation. He's taking a huge risk to go back. And these are people just like me and you. People who believe in Christ. People who were disciples of Paul's. People who followed. And yet for them, they saw where Paul was going and they said, don't do it. Please don't do this. When it was time to leave, um, time to leave, we left and continued on our way. They all joined and prayed as he left, but Paul's eyes were set on where he was headed. As we move on to verse 10, we see Paul having an interaction with a prophet. So it's a guy who comes to him and he grabs his belt, man by the name of Agabus. He grabs his belt and he ties Paul up and he says to him, this is what they're going to do to you. And he says it in front of all of the people that Paul is with. Now, I don't know about you, but if somebody came to me and said to me, You're going to be, if you go to this place, you're going to be imprisoned. And not only are you going to be imprisoned, chances are you will be killed. When I think about that with my logical mind, I think I would run the other way. That's a huge risk, right? Most of us, the way that we think about risk, the way that we think about what, you know, what are the odds that something bad's going to happen, most of us, if we were sitting here today and we were really honest, really honest, if somebody said to you, if you walk out of this building, go to that place, you will lose your life. Most of us wouldn't go. But here's the interesting thing that we see here, and I believe that this is a place where we see one of the most beautiful transformations of the Apostle Paul in his life. Because unlike the disciples who were telling him, don't go, unlike the disciples that were telling Jesus, don't go to Jerusalem, They both had their eyes set on what it was that they were called to do. Can I have the first slide? I'd like to read this. This is Paul's response to the cries of the people after Agabus speaks to him. And this is out of the message. 
When we heard that, we and everyone there that day begged Paul not to be stubborn and persist in going to Jerusalem. But Paul wouldn't budge. Why all this hysteria? Why do you insist on making a scene and making it even harder for me? You are looking at this backwards. The issue in Jerusalem is not what they do to me, whether arrest or murder, but what the master Jesus does through my obedience. Can't you see that? The difference between what was going on here and what often goes on in our own lives is the focus was on the will of God. What was it that the master Jesus was calling him to do? I find it interesting that the words that Luke uses are stubborn and persistent. Because a lot of times stubbornness, we think of that as a negative thing, right? Quit being stubborn. Quit being so stubborn about that. But this was a place where he was actually setting his eyes and saying, this is the will of God. And I am determined to follow through with that. I think a great example of someone who took a step into the will, what they, what he believed was the will of God, was a man by the name of Dietrich Bonhoeffer. Dietrich Bonhoeffer was a martyr who was killed in Nazi Germany in 1944. He was the leader of the Confessing Church in Germany, and he was one who stood firmly against what the Nazis were doing. And I believe that this sums up very clearly the way in which we are supposed to live our lives in a sacrificial way. He says, being a Christian is less about cautiously avoiding sin than about courageously and actively doing God's will. Paul had his eyes set on the will of God and what it was that in and through his obedience, the way in which people would hear, people would know, would come to know Christ. Dietrich Bonhoeffer died in his early 30s, but his teachings, his theology, his understanding of what it means to follow and be a disciple of Christ has lived on and will continue to live on. I consider him a mentor, and I know many other people who do as well. He had an understanding of what it meant to seek out, to actively and courageously seek out the will of God. As we look at Paul's life, he wrote a letter to the Romans It's known as Romans. (laughs) And in Romans 12, he gives some very clear instructions to us. He says, Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, 
in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. Paul wrote this with a clear understanding of what it means to sacrifice, to offer who you are and everything you have and everything you are to, as the song we sing at the beginning, the one who paid our debt. He was willing to give everything to sacrifice out of obedience and not out of obligation. So many times we want to know, what am I going to get back? If I do this, what are the risks and what am I going to get in return? I sent a text to a friend of mine this week because I was chewing on this. And I said, what do you think sacrifice means? And the answer I got back was not what I expected. She said, it's giving up something you love for something you love more. And when I look at the life of Paul... When I look at the life of Jesus, that's exactly what was happening. Nothing mattered more than the will of God. Where it was and what it was that the Lord was asking them to do. C.S. Lewis said this in Mere Christianity. The terrible thing, the most impossible thing, is to hand over your whole self, your wishes and precautions to Christ. The hardest, the most terrible, the most impossible thing that is a work of the Spirit. It is something that we are invited to do. To trade something that we love for something that we love more. Jesus had an exchange with his disciples that we call the Sermon on the Mount. And he taught about a lot of different things in the Sermon on the Mount. But this morning, what I want to leave you with is some of the words that have echoed in my soul and in various periods of time when I've had challenges, when I've been offered things, when I've had temptations to choose something other, this is what I've been reminded of. 
Jesus said in Matthew 6, 33-34, But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. And all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. Seek first the kingdom. And everything else that we hang on to, they're afraid we won't get, that we somehow put at a higher place. The highest calling is to seek first the kingdom. To trade everything that we have for what he has for us. Would you pray with me, please? Father, this morning as we gather as your people, I pray that we would, by your Spirit, give our everyday, ordinary lives, our sleeping, our eating, our going to work, our walking around, our raising our children, our driving from place to place, lives, as an offering to you. We choose to embrace that what you have given us as the absolute best is the absolute best that we can offer back to you. May our attention and our affections be fixed on you and not what our culture offers us. Help us to readily recognize what you want from us and quickly respond to it. Father, continue to bring the best out in us as you form us more into the image of your Son. And we pray this in Christ's name. Amen.